Blog Talk Radio. Estando adentro de la detención, para nosotros muchas veces decimos, eso fue como, es como un secuestro, pero legal. Innocent people are being locked up. The people that are detained are not criminals. Is the explosive growth of a system of immigrant detention centers that few Americans know anything about. What we are hearing is horrible. I want my daddy back. I spent nine years, four months in immigration detention. Forced to work for a dollar a day or less, which is a clear violation of anti-slavery laws. This is not criminal custody. This is not someone who's been convicted of a crime. Immigrant detainees awaiting deportation have routinely received substandard health care, poor food, unsanitary water, and unhygienic conditions at privately operated for-profit facilities. I was dying. I, I could feel myself dying. I couldn't even stay up no more. And people are going to die. We already have people dying in detention centers throughout the nation. Shares in the two largest private prison stocks jumped up November 9th, the morning after Donald J. Trump was elected president. They're profiting off the misery of human beings. Ladies and gentlemen of America, this is AJC Radio, and tonight we continue Voices from Behind the Wall. We hear tonight the voices of our immigrant brothers and sisters in detention centers across this nation. This is part two. Just didn't have enough time to get through it on the other side. Tonight we pick it up where we left off. Voices from Behind the Wall, immigrants suffering abuse in detention centers in America. This is AJC Radio. We take off right now. I'm Lamont Banks, along with Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, Dennis Merritt, Sapson Riddle, and the entire AJC Radio team tonight. And uh, we're excited to uh, get back into this discussion, which is so critically important uh, as we have been talking about uh, voices from behind the wall. An indefinite series right here on AJC Radio, Dennis, and dealing with uh, the treatment of immigrants uh, uh, in detention centers, which are nothing short of jails and prisons. there's some abuse going on that just shouldn't be happening. We're going to finish that discussion tonight. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, exactly. And then not only uh, the, the abuse, but, I mean, again, the, the slave, uh, you know, the labor. I mean, you got, people, you got these detainees who have done nothing wrong, and you're paying them a dollar a day. I mean, that's ridiculous, I mean, for the work that you're having them do. And, again, I mean, it's just so uh, we, we got to fix, fix the system, period. When it comes to justice, whether it's with immigration our prison system, I mean, anytime we detain someone, we treat them unfairly, and we don't treat them right. And that's a sad thing. I mean, you know, to take advantage of these people, uh, to put them into an environment that, that is, you know, not, not good at all as far as health-wise, and then uh, make them work for a dollar a day. Come on, that that's just not right. No, absolutely not right. And it, it's, it's those things that, uh, again, begins to really chip away at 
the fiber and the, the foundation of what this, this country was built on. And when you start getting treating people, and this is just not uh, immigrants from Mexico, it's from all over the world where there are hostile situations and things going on that simply uh, these people are trying to find a way out. America was that place uh, to find it, uh, to find that way out, and, and I think we need to return to that. I think we've lost the human side of things. And again, not only I mean we've dealt with voices from behind the wall with every type of abuse in this country. It is now uh, uh, time to speak to the immigrants coming here. Why are they being mistreated? Why are they being abused? Why are they being sexually assaulted? Why are they being beaten? And and all of these things uh, again. No conviction of any type of a crime. It's, it's about a dollar. It's big, it is big business. As you can see, you know, uh, the one company that, you know, uh, opened up a, a 1,500-bed uh, center uh, in, in Aurora, Colorado, matter of fact. And it's all about a dollar, you know. So instead of trying to fix the situation or to help the situation, it's already broke. So what we're going to do is we're going to take advantage of it. We're going to exploit it. And we're going to make some money. And that's a sad thing. And, and again, America, we got to come to a place where we say enough is enough. I mean, we're not going to, you know, everybody said America is the home of the free. It's the melting pot. You know, immigrants have been flowing in and out of here forever. But now we're going to take this situation and turn it into a, a, a big business and then abuse these people and, and take advantage of their, 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 their wanting to become an American citizen. No, absolutely right. And, and again, if people want to do the right thing, you can't have it both ways. Some of these folks, uh, I know there was some discussion, even in regards to a lot of the agriculture uh, farms and things that are happening uh, on farms in this country. A lot of them are uh, being worked uh, by immigrants. And they said there was going to be an impact with this type of um, I guess, lack of consideration of what's all involved here. How is our economy going to be affected uh, as a result of us just doing things without a plan? Everybody is in agreement that immigration needs to be uh, dealt with, that needs to be legislation on immigration. Nobody's arguing that point. It is how it's being done and the abuse that is happening behind it. That is the issue. And, uh, again, we're going to address those issues tonight. Folks, feel free to dial in at 646-200. 0628-646-200-0628. On the other side of the break, we're coming back. Voices, voices from Behind the Wall, Part 2, Abuse of Immigrants, Brothers and Sisters in this country. And joining us at the, at the bottom of the hour, Kathy Morse. She's bringing her perspective to this as well. This aims to be a good one. We'll be right back. This is AJC Radio. Be back in a moment. Do you have a big brother? Well... I have a big brother, and I'm pretty sure that you and I experienced some of the same things with a big brother. Big brothers will always be big brothers, right? I'm sure you'll agree. Well, my brother gets up in the morning. He takes a shower, heads to work, and at some point during the day, he's going to exercise and get that workout, as we all do. And, of course, depending on what's going on, he's going to sit down for two or three meals during the course of his day. And also, depending on what else is going on, he'll probably get caught up on current events and maybe take a few moments to turn a page in a book. How about your big brother? Some of the same stuff, right? 
oh, did I mention that my big brother does all of that stuff? But he actually has to have permission a lot of times before he can do it. You see, my big brother was wrongfully convicted of a crime that he did not commit. That's right. That may sound shocking, huh? He's in prison. Wrongful convictions impact families in ways you cannot begin to imagine. But I've decided that I'm going to do something about it. And I extend an invitation to you to come on board and join me in this fight. You see, I'm helping to be a voice for my big brother and others who have been wrongfully convicted. We'd like you to take a few moments today and call a just cause where we fight for justice. You can call us toll free at 1-855-529-4252. That's 1-855-529-4252. Join with us as we fight for justice and for all big brothers across the land. How often does our justice system get it wrong, convicting innocent people of crimes they did not commit? A new project by the University of Michigan Law School and the Center for Wrongful Convictions at Northwestern University School of Law tries to answer that question. In the last 23 years, more than 2,000 people have been convicted of serious crimes and later exonerated, according to the National Registry of Exonerations. By far, the largest segment was almost 1,200 defendants falsely convicted because of large-scale patterns of police corruption, generally in drug and gun cases. Of the remaining 873 defendants exonerated, nearly half were wrongly convicted of murder, and of that group, 101 were sentenced to death. On average, it took more than 11 years for a conviction to be set aside. Why does the justice system get it wrong? In homicides, the biggest problem is perjury and false accusation, most often by supposed eyewitnesses. False convictions in adult rape cases are primarily based on mistakes by eyewitnesses, while false convictions in child sex abuse cases are often for fabricated crimes that never occurred. 2,000 exonerations may seem small in a nation with more than 2.3 million people behind bars, but there are far more false convictions than the report contains. Most false convictions are never formally challenged, and those convictions that are successfully overturned receive little or no attention from the media, according to the report's authors. There's a lot of mud when it rains here, and it makes it really hard to find food. There are car bombs every day. My mom worries about me when I go out. Every time I hear the alarm bell go off from school, I think it's an air raid. Sometimes I have nightmares about it. A lot of houses in our neighborhood have been destroyed. I like to close my ears and sing songs whenever the bombs come close. My dad says we have to leave, which makes me scared. I'm worried our new neighbors won't like us. What if they don't understand our religion? Because we don't speak the language, it might be hard for them to make friends. But I know it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be worth it. I just want my family to be safe. 
But these are not my words. These are not my words. These are not my words. Say goodbye to affordability and say hello to losing control. Discover Price Gougesol, the latest outrageously expensive drug from Big Pharma. It's impossible to afford and reverses the ability to pay other bills. Because drug companies raise prices to pay for commercials like this one, side effects may include overdrawn bank accounts, bad credit scores, higher health care costs, children who don't get Christmas presents, and in some cases, the need to stop taking your medicine. If you experience any of these side effects, contact your financial advisor right away. Out-of-control drug costs are no joke. Yet nine of the ten biggest pharma companies spend more on advertising than research and development. Let's solve the cost crisis now. Visit csrxp.org. He must have thrown a thousand pitches teaching him to hit a home run. Spent countless Saturdays running routes so he could learn to hit an open receiver. Endless afternoons teaching him how to hit the three-pointer. But how much time have you spent teaching him what not to hit? Teaching boys that all violence against women is wrong is one of the most important things a man can do. Learn how to start the conversation at teachearly.org. Brought to you by Futures Without Violence and the Ad Council. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio. Tonight, voices from behind the wall. Our immigrant brothers and sisters suffering abuse, as you've not seen it or heard even about it uh, in many cases and detention centers across this country, not only immigrants, adults, immigrant minors, children, suffering huge levels of abuse, uh, completely disgusting, uh, outrageous, whatever adjective you want to add to that. Uh, we're dealing with that issue tonight. Part two, we started a show on this uh, a week ago or so, and uh, I'll tell you what, uh, Dennis, this was some troubling, troubling things. Uh, kids underage being sexually assaulted in these facilities uh horrible horrific conditions as you heard on the opening we're going to play the opening again uh here momentarily uh and i want you to hear what these children are saying and and the impact of that uh and we're going to go ahead we're going to play that here momentarily but dennis when you think about these things uh we wonder sometimes why the outrage comes to our uh, legal immigrants in this country when they see some of these things happening. This is why marches are happening in the streets across this country. Every time there's an attack, uh, if you will, on immigrants, on citizenship, on uh, really unorthodox ways of doing things, uh, dealing with the, the families and children, and then people who've been here for years aren't in a living contributing to this economy, are sent back to very difficult and trying situations where they come from many times, life and death situations that are happening here uh, with, these, with, the, with these immigrants. How, how, do we, how do we do that? How do we justify that? I don't know. And then, you know, the ACLU, I mean, they, they, they've, you know, put out a lot of papers in reference to abuse 
uh, of children, you know, in you know that are being detained uh, because of their immigration status, and and they talk about a lot of things. I mean, it's just crazy, uh, you know, uh, denied health care, uh, perversion. I mean, uh, called out of their names. I mean, uh, you know, prejudice, race, racist. Uh, I mean, all kinds of stuff going on. Uh, the 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 camps are dirty, overcrowded. Uh, there's no medical care. I mean, there's so much going on. And if, if if you think about it, if we don't if we don't bring it to the light, if we don't let people know that these immigrants are being treated like this, and that something needs to happen, I mean, uh, we 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 love to yeah yeah pick our you know our tomatoes or do this or do that, but yet we don't want to pay them or we don't want to make them citizens and. Again, this is just ridiculous. So, yeah, something has to be done. No, absolutely right. I want to play that clip real quick for you. We're going to come back and get in discussion on this. Uh, let's hear the clip. Estando adentro de la detención, para nosotros muchas veces decimos... Eso fue como, es como un secuestro, pero legal. Innocent people are being locked up. The people that are detained are not criminals. Is the explosive growth of a system of immigrant detention centers that few Americans know anything about. What we are hearing is horrible. I want my daddy back. I spent nine years, four months in immigration detention forced to work for a dollar a day or less, which is a clear violation of anti-slavery laws. This is not criminal custody. This is not someone who's been convicted of a crime. Immigrant detainees awaiting deportation have routinely received substandard health care, poor food, unsanitary water, and unhygienic conditions at privately operated for-profit facilities. I was dying. I, I could feel myself dying. I couldn't even stay up no more. And people are going to die. We already have people dying in detention centers throughout the nation. Shares in the two largest private prison stocks jumped up November 9th, the morning after Donald J. Trump was elected president. They're profiting off the misery of human beings. Well, there you have it. Uh, very clear uh, of the abuse that's happening. And the sad part, if there's any way profit is being made here, where has America stooped to? That, that's, just, that's just insane to me. Uh, the ACLU report describes overcrowding, squalid conditions, insufficient medical care, and overuse of insul- isolation units in, at federal Texas prisons where convicted immigrants await extradition to their homelands. And we're even talking about that. How many of those folks make it back home, uh, at least with a fighting chance, hopefully, to come back or to live? Uh, you wonder, given the conditions that they live in. Uh, thousands of non-citizens are subjected to abusive and dangerous conditions in privately run federal prisons in Texas. According to a report by the American Civil Liberties Union released Tuesday, the report which, the report which comes after a five-year investigation that began in 2009 describes pervasive overcrowding, squalid conditions, insufficient medical care, and overuse of isolation units at Texas criminal alien requirement prisons, which house people convicted of federal offenses who are scheduled to be deported after completing their sentences. The Federal Bureau of Prisons uh, contracts 
uh, with three corporations, CCA of America, I'm very familiar with that, GEO Group and Management and Training Corporation, to manage 13 criminal alien prisons across the country with about 25,000 inmates. More than half of them are housed in five Texas facilities located in Big Spring, Post Eaton, Pecos, and Raymondville. In an email, representative of GEO Group, which runs the prisons in Big Spring and Pecos, wrote, GEO's facilities provide high-quality services in safe, secure, and humane environments. And our community strongly refuses, refutes allegations to the contrary. Well, I would expect that to come out of your mouth. If you're making millions of dollars uh, at the, as a result, and I can tell you right now, the reports that have come out on, on CCA, uh, on GEO, these are high-profit facilities. You're not telling me all the folks that are filing complaints against your uh, organization, against your facility, is simply making it up because uh, well, we, we, they want everybody to believe that the prisons in this country and the jails in this country are ran with such sufficient uh, manner. That's not the case in this country. And you can like that or not like that. It is, Dennis, it's the bottom line. We have had too many accounts of abuse and it doesn't stop if let me let me say this clearly, and I'm going to get your thoughts. If they don't treat their own citizens with respect and safety and care and value human life of their own citizens, you want us to believe that a foreigner, someone who you don't even think belongs in this country, is going to be treated with respect when your own citizens are not treated with respect? And they're abused here. They die in our in Amer- Americans die in prisons in this country as a result of abuse of correctional officers, of deputies, you whoever it is. They die. But you want us to believe we would never do that with immigrants as they wait to go back home as a result of being and, and basically completed their sentence. You make them serve their sentence here and then you deport them. What are your thoughts? And, and then to put them in prison. That's, that's what's, that's what's exactly. really crazy. And then to find out that uh, uh, many of them go into solitary confinement. I mean, we're talking children. I mean, yep. and it's sad to say. And then when you got the uh, Customs and Borders uh, Protection uh, issuing a statement that's strongly, uh, you know, saying that the ACLU report uh, is unfounded and blameless, that tells you uh, there's no way when you got 30,000 pages of documents that show that there is abuse happening in these in, in these facilities, and then when you have all these people coming out saying, "Hey, look what happened," and come on, like you said, not everyone is lying. I don't think any of them is lying, but anyway, it's just sad that right. when you get when you put people in a position of authority and you put people's lives in their hands, you made the biggest mistake right from that point. Because like you said, if they don't care about the American citizen behind bars, what makes you think they're going to care about the immigrant? Cliff, it's not going to happen. Cliff, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, you look at what the what the prison system is about in America. I mean, it's uh, they call it the prison industrial complex, meaning that it's all about being a complex for making money. I mean, prisons make furniture. They make car parts. Uh, they train dogs. They do all these things. And to take a immigration uh, holding facility and to to basically treat them like they're prisoners. I mean, this is not 
a prison. This is not jail. You're in holding saying, okay, uh, until you get a, 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 a court date, until you may be deported, depending on what's going on, you're not a convicted criminal. But yet they treat them that way and treat them like, you know, this is this is slave labor. We can make you work as long as you're in our, you're in our custody. And it's uh, it's not right. It's not any more right than than, you know, the prison system uses prisoners for labor and they make profit off of it. But this just takes it to a whole nother level that these people have not been convicted of anything. They're supposed to be waiting, supposed to be taken care of. And yet they turn them into slaves. It's, it's totally totally against what america is supposed to be about it's supposed to be and we that statement is starting to get more and more common what they were supposed right. to be uh this is this is unprecedented mother of a guatemalan toddler who died in may is claiming that the girl became ill and received negligent medical care while detained with hundreds of other families at an immigration jail in texas marie was healthy when she had uh, when she and her mother crossed the rio grande in march but developed a respiratory infection after sharing a room at the detention center in Daly, Texas, with other mom- other mothers and children, some of whom were sick, including a sluggish boy with a cough and runny nose. Marie's fever spiked to 104.2 degrees, and she vomited, suffered diarrhea, and lost weight. The child was prescribed a camphor balm that is not advised for the girl's age because it could worsen her breathing. On March 23rd, a nurse said she would refer Marie to a physician. But two days later, a licensed vocational nurse who never examined the girl cleared her for release. After flying to New Jersey to join relatives, uh, Jurez took her daughter to a pediatrician. She was admitted to the emergency room needing oxygen that night. Over the next six weeks, Marie spent time in two hospitals. She died May 10th after a catastrophic uh, hemorrhage that led to brain and organ damage. The letter said the cause of death was bronchitis. It says uh, pulmotis, and these these, uh, medical terms are difficult, pneumonia, thorax, or a collapsed lung. Now, it says here, in her last days, Marie suffered extreme physical and emotional pain, was stuck with needles, and was unable to to hug her mother or to be held, the letter said. Now, here's the problem. You have a nurse that comes in and clear, again, this is about not caring. You have a nurse that come, comes in and says, we're going to clear her. Never checked her. Let's just get this other immigrant yep. out of the way so we can keep moving. As a result, this little girl dies. And we wonder why the reputation of America and the inhumane treatment of not only our citizens, but any human being rises to this level. How do you come in? There's something that nurses take called a cold, an oath, if you will. It's an oath you take to ensure that you will give your best. Not to just black babies or brown babies or white babies. An oath to save lives. How tragic and what she suffered here. No doubt probably asking for her mother was never given a last hug, nothing. Because a nurse decided to come in and say, well, we'll go ahead and clear her. She's good to go. She should be locked up for murder. Because who knows whether treatment could have, been, could have prevented That's this. That's true. You didn't even give her treatment. As a result, she lost her life. 
that's um that's unacceptable. I wish we had her name of that nurse. Uh we'll try to run that down. Um that's 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 um wow. What do you say to that? Dennis, your thoughts. It, it's sad. I mean, again, there goes the compassion. Uh, uh, again, I, I can't stress it enough. No matter how you look at it, any time uh, someone is detained, uh, they're automatically treated like a criminal. Just like you said, you know, you got, got, you got per- people in jails right now awaiting, awaiting to go to court. They haven't been charged with anything, but guess what? They're considered a prisoner. They're considered guilty. And then when you take these uh, the, the immigrants and you put them in prisons or you put them in uh, uh, what you know these houses, these 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 facilities, automatically they become prisoners. And you take them and you you make them clean the building, you make them clean your office, you make them do all these things because they'll do anything because they're hoping. That by, you know, listening and doing what you tell them to do, that they'll probably get a piece of the, the American dream. They'll get to stay. But that's not what it's about. It's about a dollar. And then again, it's about the mistreatment of humans, period. I mean, it's just sad. That's why you can't give these people the powers. We got to get out there and vote. We always say that. Vote for those that are going to be, you know, that are going to look out for people of all color, regardless of their status, whether they're an immigrant or whether they're a citizen. Until we do that, we're going to continue to deal with stuff like this. And, you know, the sad part about this, this is when it becomes so ridiculous. It's ridiculous if an adult is treated like this. But a it's child. Like, but you're talking about the innocent. I mean, where do you draw the line here? Are these just a bunch of animals to you? And somebody should answer for it. We get outraged in this country. With, oh, my, how could they do that to kids? What about our immigrant kids? What about those little boys? They're innocent. This girl died because nobody took the time to say, let me do something. And you have the, the, the title of nurse behind your name. You ought to take your badge off. Last I looked, nurses save lives. Last I looked, nurses give everything they got to help maintain life. And they don't hurt children. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. It's, it's outrageous to me that people just sit back and say, well, that's just the way it is. You know why that's just the way it is? Because nobody wants to get up and fight anything. How about opening your mouth in your neighborhood and say, look, we're not going to take that. That's a human being there. Or, or just step in line with the status quo of mistreating human beings and counting people because they're different from you as nobodies. That's sick. And America should be ashamed of themselves on this, those who are guilty of this. It's unacceptable. And I get so tired. You you turn on the TV, send them back to where they came from. Who cares? Get them out of here. Put yourself in their shoes. Exactly. What if you're running from life and death? Some of these stories that you'll hear about these immigrants, kids, adults now who are coming over have seen their parents murdered, killed, Their, their wives and daughters raped from these countries you think they're running for nothing we need to take a look at ourselves as a country as a nation as a people what if that was you what if somebody was coming to your house every day raping your wife or your mom killing you killing maybe some of your youngsters in there 
It's that serious? That it is. They're running from something. This is AJC Radio. We'll be back on the other side of the break. Victims from behind the wall are immigrant brothers and sisters suffering the abuse of power in this nation. We'll be right back. Do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongfully convicted of crimes they did not commit. If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause at 855-529-4252 or visit a-justcause.com and click the donate button. A just cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall. Look, right now, uh, while you're looking at this on your screen in your hand or on your computer, there's somebody just like you who's sitting in a prison cell. And they didn't do much more than you did, you know, some crazy weekend. You didn't get caught. They got caught. And they can never get uncaught. The United States of America is now the number one incarcerator of human beings in the world, in the history of the world. Uh, we have about 5% of the world's population. We have 25% of the world's prisoners. Um, we, are, we have more people locked up than China. China, who has a billion people, they got fewer prisoners than we do. You know, a lot of times people say, well, if you don't want to do the time, don't do the crime. Really? Have, have you ever committed a crime? You got people who are doing more drugs in on college campuses, in uh, uh, yacht clubs, country clubs. We all know that's going on, but the SWAT team never shows up there. The SWAT team shows up in the housing projects where you got poorer people doing fewer drugs, and those people go to prison. But think about it. What if one of the times when you were breaking the law, when you had something illegal in your pocket, in your car, at your party, the police had kicked in those doors, would you want to be known for the rest of your life? based on what happened that night. That is what is happening to millions of people. If rich folks' kids get in trouble, they go to rehab. Poor folks' kids get in trouble, they go to prison. And you spend $100,000 per year per kid to lock a kid up. When you could have spent a fraction of that and turned them into a NASA scientist, turned them into a, a fashion icon. When people come home from prison, they're not given the opportunity to start over. You leave a physical prison and you go into a social prison where you can't get a job, you can't get a student loan, you can't rent an, rent an apartment. How are people supposed to start over? And what happens to neighborhoods when you take a disproportionate number of people out for minor offenses and you send them back home with no hope and no opportunity? There are no more excuses to have this horrible system continue when there is now finally bipartisan agreement that it is a tragedy to do this. Not only do you have President Obama and the Democrats, you now actually have uh, people like Paul Ryan 
Coke Industries, Newt Gingrich, all saying the same thing. We are locking up too many people. We're wasting too much money. We're, we're wasting too much genius in America, and it's time to do something. I wanted to be in the military since I was, since I was a kid. I served in the United States Air Force. I served a total of 16 years. I was deployed uh, 13 times. On my second deployment, four bombs hit my vehicle. And at 19 years old, that's the first time I ever saw somebody die. Coming back, I was raging. I started having pretty horrible nightmares. I would wake up in the middle of the night, sweats. I started drinking a lot. I felt worthless. I guess I never recognized it in myself. Eventually, one day, I just walked into the VA hospital and said I'd like to see somebody. Don't suffer alone. You got to find that link with somebody. It'll make you let it go. It all starts with going to the VA. There's a whole community of veterans that just want to help you out. It's for the guys who couldn't come back, so you owe it to them to live well, because they're not here with their families. You're broken down and tired of living life on the merry-go-round. You can't find a Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio. Victims from behind the wall, voices from behind the wall. We address the voices of our immigrant brothers and sisters tonight who are suffering in detention centers all across this land. Someone needs to rise up. What community or communities, plural, will rise up and be a voice for those things that are wrong? Whether it's politically correct for you or not, is it humanly correct for you to stand up against wrong? We just shared a story of a young girl who died, a little girl in a detention center, immigrant detention center in this country, as a result of a nurse simply saying, let her go. She's good to go. No problems. Didn't even bother to check her. She died six weeks later and alone. This is unacceptable. And how people continually excuse the behavior of those who are guilty of these crimes is, a, is absolutely insane to me. Dennis, how do you excuse? Now we're excusing killing kids. Now we're excusing the neglecting children. Oh, I'm sorry, because they, they're from Mexico or they're from Venezuela, wherever they might be, their lives don't matter. The parents' lives don't matter. They're not American. How sick is that? If it wasn't for stations like this and people that do get out and, and speak against it, no one would ever know. Why? Because these facilities are hidden. These facilities are not talked about. Uh, the, the, the people in the facilities are not considered American citizens. So there's no concern. If one of them dies, who knows? Uh, if the family is not here, if they are here, they're detained. Or if, they're in, 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 if they are citizens, uh, then they're not made aware. And then in Mexico, you know, you, you know, no one knows what's going on here. So it's sad. It's, it's, it's this thing that if we could keep it secret, if we could keep it in the dark, we could continue 
to make money. We continue to abuse. We can continue to do whatever we want. That's why it's great that stations like this, people around the world, uh, Kathy, that are getting out there saying, uh-uh, we got a problem, yeah, and shining the light, letting people see that we have, we have problems, you know, with the, the, the immigrants being detained, what's going on behind the walls, yes. per se. You know, you got immigrants in prison. I can't, I can't stress that enough. They have done absolutely nothing. They tried to come to the state to get a part of the American dream, and now they're in prison, and they're being forced as labor at a dollar a day. No, absolutely right. Sad. No, absolutely. We're going to bring Kathy on here in a moment. Let me read this to you real quick. In the United States today, more than 8 million citizens live at least one family member, often a parent who is undocumented. Children make up the majority of these U.S. citizens. Almost 6 million citizen children under the age of 18 live with a parent or family member who is undocumented. Consequently, immigration enforcement actions and the ongoing threats associated with them have significant physical, emotional, developmental, and economic repercussions on the children left behind. Deportations of parents and family members have serious consequences that affect children and extend to to communities and the country as a whole. Millions of U.S. citizen children have documented parents and family members. 4.1 million U.S. citizen children under the age of 18 live with at least one undocumented parent. 4.1 million. And again, the reason we can't come together to come up with a true legislative immigration plan because you got one group of people that don't care we're not worried about human tactics or being a human being and caring we're not concerned about that then you got other groups says let's do it in a human way this is why we are at odds and divided nobody wants to when really to be divided on human decency is a serious serious problem joining us right now my friend Kathy Morris a uh, young lady who uh, has brought quite a few perspectives, if you will, to this show. And, and we are very always honored to have her and her perspective and her voice uh, in these discussions. Kathy, how are you this evening? I'm fine, thank you. And thank you for joining us uh, this evening. And uh, as we talked earlier, uh, emotions run high on this one. because Very high, very high. The, Give us your thoughts. Kathy, do me a favor. Introduce yourself again to our listeners so they know who you are. We're going to get into this discussion. It's a serious one. I want to definitely uh, hit the road running with that one. Go ahead, please. Yeah. My name is Kathy Morris. I am a formerly incarcerated individual. um, And as a result of my incarceration, I have become an advocate focusing on uh, criminal justice reform, um, especially uh, families, mothers, children. Um, and the plight of the um, migrant families um, is very close to my heart by just watching the separation of the parent and the child, because when I was incarcerated, I was separated from my own child. And I see some of the same things in her that I see these young migrant children going through. Um, and it, it's, it's, in, it's inhumane. It's wrong what we're doing to them. The conditions that we're putting them in is wrong. Um, they're human beings. At the end of the day, we're all human beings, and we all bleed the same color. 
Um, and as such, we should be treated as human beings. Holding them in these detention camps um, is disgusting. It's it's deplorable, the conditions under which they are. Um, and something has to be done. And I think that it's critical for us to use our voices to raise awareness as to what's going on. No, absolutely right, uh, uh, Kathy, without question. Uh, and you know what? I'm outraged tonight. I'm completely outraged. And the more that I'm seeing, the more that I'm reading, the more that I'm researching, uh, I cannot believe that anyone would stand in a position to excuse. And this is what's interesting to me. After the Supreme Court rules that immigrants may be held indefinitely without bond, a dreadful situation gets worse. This is April 13, 2018. On May 17, 2017, Jean Carlos Jimenez Joseph, a 27-year-old immigrant, committed suicide at Stewart after being held in solitary for 19 days. This was a preventable tragedy. The horrendous impact of solitary confinement on the mental health of imprisoned uh, individuals, even after their release, has long been documented. Uh, and this is someone who was under the, the supervision of ICE. Uh, he takes his life. Yeah. What, 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 I'm, why is an immigrant in solitary confinement not even guilty of a crime? What is he doing in the hole? Well, that's something, that's something that's coming out now more and more, that a lot of these individuals who are being detained by ICE do not have proper legal representation. Um, they do not have rights while they're in these detention centers which is against the Constitution. Um, you know, one of the things that you have right to legal counsel and you should be represented by legal counsel. What's happening is you've got individuals who are running these facilities who only speak English. You've got these other people who are crossing the border who speak no English. And there's a huge communication problem that's going on. And as a result of that, the officers who are supervising these individuals feel that they are being disrespected and everything else. And, and what happens is they say that they're refusing to, to do an order or they're whatever. And all it is is a, communic a problem with communication. And as a result, they're throwing them into the hole. They're throwing them into solitary confinement. And they're not explaining to these individuals why they're going there. Somebody, please help me understand one thing. Are people that ignorant? You know there's, a, there's a, a communication gap. So you tell this guy, hey, go, go lock down or go sit out, go to this area, do this. He speaks no English. You see how insane that is? So, well, they're, they're being disrespectful. They don't understand the words coming out of your mouth, number one. They don't know what you're talking about. And nor do the, you hand them a pamphlet that's got the rules and regulations in it. They don't read English. Wow. They're not going to understand it. They don't have an interpreter available. Exactly. And I remember, look, I don't even speak Spanish. And I remember doing my wrongful incarceration. Uh, I was in county jail. They'd come to me. Would you t tell me, please tell them I need doctor. They're talking to me. And I'm yep. saying, oh, please help me understand you, buddy. You need what? Right. And I'm trying <laughs> to help them because they're frustrated 
how do I, and he's pointing at his thing to breathe, and he's, he's trying to explain, but I took the time. I'm just an inmate right. at that time. But I can, I can tell you from looking at situations in county jail where folks were waiting to go to ICE detention places, they were scared to death. Nobody, I didn't see a nurse take the time to say, what is he talking about? I don't know what you're saying. Go back to your room. That, that's what I saw with my own eyes. And to excuse it and say, well, they thought they were being disrespected. Are, I'll ask the question, are you an idiot? It, it doesn't take a, a, a huge amount of education to know if somebody speaks a different language than what you do. It doesn't take, it doesn't take a, 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 a degree. You know, and you, number one, look at where you're at. You're at a detention center for immigrants from other countries. And, why, and like Kathy, you point out, why, why isn't those pamphlets in every language of the person that's in that facility? Exactly. Because they don't care. They're not going to take the time and spend money to help these people understand because they don't, want, they don't care whether they understand or not. That's not their objective. It is the warehouse. No, it isn't. Right, Kathy? It's a warehouse. It's a warehouse mentality. But what it is, it's worse than a warehouse. It's almost like putting them in a kennel as if they were a dog. Oh, wow. Okay. That's, yeah, go ahead. that's the only way to put it. And and you can imagine if they don't if there's a problem with the language, what the fear that they're feeling, not understanding. They're not even understanding, what are you doing to me? What are you doing to my little girl, my little boy here? What's going or on? Even, even what are you saying? What are you trying to say to me? You know, it's like, it's, it's just, you know, it's an extremely stressful situation to begin with. They don't understand what they've done wrong. Exactly. And you've got these people just screaming in their faces. That's, well... I want to play a clip, Kathy, right now. I'm going to get your perspective on it, and it'll be addressing children allege harsh conditions at a for-profit immigration jail in Texas. Let's hear that clip. What is the alternative? The alternative is what was done in the past which was parents, uh, the families were given an immigration hearing to come and report. If the government believes that that is insufficient, uh, if guarantees that the families will show up, there are other alternatives. There's electronic monitoring. There is, for example, requiring the family to report on a weekly basis, either in person or by phone. There's other things that this administration could have done short of putting mothers and children behind bars. We're also joined by Christina Parker. Um, she has a new report out called For Profit Family Detention, Meet the Private Prison Corporations Making Millions by Locking Up Refugee Families. Talk about who runs Carnes. Sure. The GEO Group is the private prison company that is contracted to run the Carnes County Family Detention Center, uh, and they have a long track record of abuse and neglect and misconduct in their facilities. It should be no surprise to anyone, actually, that sexual abuse and denial of medical treatment happened almost as soon as the facility was opened. Can you give more examples of what you have found? Sure. You know, um, one of the things that we see is that these, this misconduct is really persistent. For instance, in the Walnut Grove, um, 
uh, juvenile center in Mississippi. Guards frequently used beatings and violence and, and sexual assault against the boys who were held there. They also retaliated a lot against people when they complained. So the boys would complain about their treatment and they'd be put into solitary confinement. So if you look um, many miles away at a facility in Pecos, Texas called the Reeves Detention Center, the same thing happened. Um, a man who, had, who suffered from epilepsy complained of his lack of medical treatment and he was put into solitary confinement. He spent a month there before he died of complications of a seizure um, alone. It actually caused a riot in the prison. How are these facilities placed? How are they planned? Is there community input? Mm -hmm. um, there's no community input uh, when these facilities are planned and they're placed in really remote areas. Um, Carnes is a little bit um, a little bit away from where we're sitting right now, but there's a new one planned in, in Dilly, Texas, which is even more remote, further south. Can you talk about this facility? We're talking 2,400 beds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Dilly, um, it's really shocking. It can't really be overstated how shocking and how big this detention center is gonna be. One how big is Carnes? Carnes is holding 532 people. Um, it is rumored that they wanna expand it to maybe double, but even even then, Dilly dwarfs it. You know, Dilly's going to be 2,400 beds, the largest single immigrant detention center in the country, dwarfing all the others. And this is where they're going to hold women and children. I think, you know, this be run by Gia. No, this, the Dilly Center is um, rumored to be run by CCA, and CCA is the Corrections Corporation of America, the same company that ran the disgraced T. Don Hutto Family Detention Center, which is in Taylor, Texas, and. The thing, the thing that's so shocking there is that we're seeing the exact same things be repeated. In Hutto, we heard reports of uh, guards threatening children for being children, for playing, for being loud, um, with separation from their parents. That's the exact same thing we heard when we went to Carnes recently, and it's a, it's a persistent problem. Uh, another problem is women and children are losing weight. You know, imagine an infant losing weight because the food is so, so poor. That's exactly what we heard at Hutto with under CCA, and it's exactly what we're hearing at Carnes under GEO. And what is the rationale for these private corporations to come in and run these prisons, Javier Maldonado? What is a, a profit? It's to make money. Uh, the government pays them on a per day basis, whether it's filled or not. And the longer they keep people there, the more money they make. Uh, where, why do they place them where they, where they do, in Carnes or in Dilly? Because there are no attorneys there, because no one can get to them, because it's just in remote places where nobody will see them and we don't have to think about them. Um, immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE uh, spokesperson Nina Perneda uh, said in a statement that, quote, ICE remains committed to ensuring all individuals in our custody are held and treated in a safe, secure, and humane manner. Accusations of alleged unlawful conduct are investigated thoroughly and if substantiated appropriate action is taken, she said. While she wouldn't comment on the specific complaints about sexual misconduct at Corn City Family Detention Center, she uh, said that uh, there is a zero tolerance policy against sexual assault in accordance with federal regulations. Christina Parker, your response. Uh, yeah, my response to that is they don't seem to learn their lesson. We've seen this over and over and over with GEO, with CCA, with family detention. You know, it's no surprise to any of us. I don't know why they would keep going back to these companies. You are organizing a protest Saturday? We are, yeah. We're going to be outside the Carnes County Family Detention Center at noon this Saturday. We invite people to come out with us and protest against this, um, this shameful practice, this inhumane practice of holding people there. And, um, you know, we're not going to stop. Our, our hope is to stop the Dilly contract. As well. Is it set in stone? Do you think there is a possibility that the Dilly contract, the 2,400-bed facility, might be stopped? 
Um, you know, I don't I don't like to believe that. I really think that we can stop it. I think, you know, community outcry, community outcry and litigation ended family detention at Hutto, and I think we're going to do it again. Well, there you have it. Uh, horrible, horrible uh, is what I say to that. Uh, these are issues, ladies and gentlemen of America, that should trouble every human being uh, in this country, around the world, when you hear about this type of treatment. Uh, New Jersey's immigration immigrant detention facilities are giving detainees food with maggots, dirty drinking water, too few pairs of underwear and shoddy medical and mental health care. According to a scathing new report by a human rights group, members of Human Rights First, a nonprofit and nonpartisan group that advocates for immigrants, toured three immigrant detention centers in New Jersey and interviewed more than 100 detained immigrants for their study. According to the report, asylum seekers and other immigrants are being held under harsh and inhumane conditions at the Elizabeth Contract Detention Facility the Essex County Correctional Facility, and the Hudson County Correctional Facility, the report concluded. In New Jersey, ICE has essentially stopped granting parole to asylum seekers, with few exceptions, leading to unnecessary, lengthy, and prolonged detention, said, said uh, Ilani Basque, the lead researcher for Human Rights First Report. This coupled with inadequate and delayed medical and mental health care and often inhumane conditions exaggerates the suffering of traumatized individuals, many of whom face violence or persecution in their home countries. Uh, what are you doing serving food with maggots in it? Don't care. Maggots come where there's dirt, filth. That's the conditions you give to another human being, and you feed them from those conditions. That's, that's insane. Cliff, we got a caller. Yes, we have uh, Mike, who has a comment about the mistreatment of immigrants. Mike, we appreciate you holding. Uh, you're live. Go yeah. ahead. Your comment. Yes, thank you very much. Indeed. Can you hear me loud and clear? Yeah, we hear you loud and clear, Mike. Yes, yes. The mistreatment of the, uh, our prisoners, regular prisoners right now, they are on the strike. And I believe still they are on the strike, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, or a week and a half ago. And because if we mistreatment of our own American people, American citizens, and then what do you expect? They don't mistreat somebody that coming here trying to get refugee status? Of course we will mistreatment uh, them hundred times more because America lost spirituality. America, I think that's why uh, Hero came hitting. Hey, hey Mike. Why? Because you there, Mike? of spirituality. Yes. Yeah, you're yes, fading. I... Yeah, you're fading in and out. Yeah. I don't want our folks to listen to what you're saying. Are you in an area where you're losing signal by any way, by any chance? Uh, let me. See. Okay. I just want to make sure you're heard. Yeah. Can you can you hear me better now? Yes. Please continue. Yeah. 
I mean, we lost the spirituality, and I repeat it again, if we cannot, if some some of the world uh, was not able to understand because we were disconnected. America lost spirituality, America lost ethics. America, right now, we have hero chain after hero chain is hitting us, and millions of people, millions of people are displaced right now because we totally need to go back to spirituality um, and ethics of this yes. uh, our constitution and if we don't there will be more uh, i mean from puerto rico it already we saw what hurricane it did and now hurricane florence and there are eight more hurricanes are on the way wow. so you know it's it's just we need to uh, Donald Trump needs to really take care of this country good. It seems whatever he says, unfortunately, he's not doing it. He, he said, make America great. This is, the, this is not the way you make America great. You mistreat your American citizen prisoners. You mistreat the re- refugees that come to this country to asking for help, say, please give us a chance. We improve our lives. I mean, where is Donald Trump? Donald Trump, whatever he said, he, 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 he does the opposite. I mean, people are not uh, dumb in the United States, but we have other people. The, so his supporters are totally blind and still say Trump, Trump, Trump. What the Trump done, I don't know. Only give for corporations 15% tax, flat tax. And for regular people, still done making same paycheck, same same tax rates. Go ahead, please. No, I understand, Mike. And uh, look, I, I agree with you on the, on the spirituality. Uh, America, human beings uh, have lost their way. Uh, Kathy, your thoughts on our caller? I think that um, because of the um, prejudices that certain people have, and I think because of some of a lot of the rhetoric that's coming out of the White House has caused the the tides to turn, and people have change their minds and their thinking um, that, you know, these people don't belong in our country and we can't have them in our country. And, you know, you've got an individual in the white house who is, who is blaming crime and everything else on individuals from other countries where in fact, it's not true. You've got somebody in the white house who's blaming people coming in from other countries who are taking jobs away from trained and qualified Americans, which is not true either. So it's a lot of rhetoric that people are being fed and people are like, well, why shouldn't I believe this individual? And that's a big part of the problem. And and he continues to spin this nonsense. Um, and that's all it is, is nonsense. And, um, when anybody tries to um, counter him, especially when the news media, the news media gets attacked as being false and, and lies. And he, he starts up that. So really the bottom line has to be 
is that somebody in some form of authority has to come in and say, look, this is not what's going on. Well, you know, think- um, you know, people need to come forward and say, no, there's these people are human beings just like the rest of us and deserve to be, you know, treated with the same respect as everybody else and sticking them in these um, detention centers is, is, is not the solution. No, absolutely. Uh, I agree with that. I think that I think individuals, organizations uh, need to never lose the human spirit of, of humanity. Uh, there's certain things that has nothing to do with politics, has nothing to do with big business, has nothing to do with uh, siding with one side or the other. There are certain things in our society that simply it's kind of the stuff you learn when you're in third, second and third grade that comes back home. Do to others as you have them do to you. The golden rule that I remember every day in music class from first to third grade, we had to say that every day. Doing to others as you mm-hmm. would have to you. We have left the principles of the simple, the simple humanity. You're not asking to put the folks in a mansion or some which you, America had the, has the mind to do it. Then they're not going to do it. But we're not even no, nobody's asking that. The outrage is why are you mistreating another human being? That is the cake. That's the point. Why am I hurting someone? Why am I serving food with maggots? Why am I doing these things? Illegal immigration immigrant excuse me illegal immigrant families are furious at the treatment they received after being detained at the border, complaining of bad burritos, cold soups, being forced to drink water out of toilets, and contagious disease outbreaks that have swept through the facilities. We had to drink the water from the toilet to keep hydrated, said one mother identified only by her first name, Yanya, who was nabbed in Texas. Several parents said their children contract, contracted chicken pots from others in detention. The chill of the facilities was a universal complaint, and a number of families objected to the food situation and says they feed us two burritos per day. But mm-hmm. it isn't enough, said one mother, identified only by her first name, Denya, who is still breastfeeding her young daughter. I have an allergy to gluten, so I'm afraid to eat the burrito because it might make me sick. That's the condition, that's the food you're giving people at these detention centers, two burritos a day. Well, because these are private, well, they're privately run facilities mm-hmm. and it's going to cut into their profit. Wow. We take any type food. of medical service, you know, any type of medical services or anything like that is going to cut into their profit. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other issue you have is how can you treat them any better than you would treat somebody who is in this country legally. Well, here's the bad part. You're treating your own citizens like that. So Absolutely. The stories that you're just talking about, maggots in the food and, and the water and that, that goes in, on in prisons and jails across this country. So my, my question would be, and Dennis, go ahead. You had a point. I was just saying, you know, on our show, we always talk about how leadership must have compassion. We, we, because we, we, we talk to our, we talk about our senators and our congressmen and women and how they must have compassion. And when that is gone, when that is lost, 
you know, human dignity, all that goes out the window. It's no longer about uh, the American people. It's no longer about any person. or It's not about humanity. It's about politics. And when we start taking politics and making that our basis of how we operate as a country, oh, we're through. We're finished. Because now you got this division. Uh, until we get back to the basics, back to making sure that the people we put in office uh, is con- truly concerned about people, period. We're going to continue to deal with, uh, you know, the, Im- the immigration immigration issue and, of course, our justice system. It's, it's just going to continue to be broke. And Kathy, we talked earlier today, we know, and let me say this as we get on this topic, uh, to the folks out there facing Hurricane Florence, um, our thoughts and prayers uh, with those families as that hurricane has been predicted uh, as one of the worst to hit this nation ever, if I'm if I'm correct in that uh, in that assessment. But this is a big one. They said it's grown in size and has not even hit landfall yet. That's the latest prior to coming on the air tonight. Uh, so our thoughts and prayers go to those families uh, and anybody that will be affected by that. Uh, our thoughts and prayers are with you. Um, Kathy, we talked earlier regarding uh, there were some issues we talked about regarding the hurricane. Correct. Uh, in yes. regards to can can you explain that to our listeners real quick? The concern is, is that will individuals held in prisons and jails, if they are, if that prison or jail is located in an area that's under a mandatory evacuation, will they evacuate those individuals? And South Carolina is one of those areas. South Carolina, Virginia, and North Carolina are the major concerns. Virginia has already evacuated a facility that is called Chesapeake, and that is in one of the designated um, evacuation areas. North Carolina has also evacuated um, individuals who are incarcerated in facilities that are in the mandatory evacuation areas. South Carolina is the only one that has dug in his heels and is saying that, no, the facility will be much safer than any place else that we could take them. And that's The their... thing is, that's, that's what they're saying out to the press. That's okay. what they're saying to the public, to the families. That's what they're telling them. I personally was in a New York State correctional facility that was located in um, lower Manhattan when Hurricane Sandy met, and we were in a mandatory evacuation area. We were ultimately evacuated from the facility with very little fanfare. There was nobody in the streets um, because the hurricane was hitting at the time that we were moved. It was, we were moved about 4 o'clock in Monday afternoon. Um, the phones had been shut off 24 hours prior, so we couldn't contact our families or anything. And it was basically done under the cloak of darkness. Um, there was nobody out on the streets because of the mandatory evacuations, and it was this 10 bus. It, they were private chartered buses. They didn't even say Department of Corrections on them. You would never know who was inside those buses. And we were evacuated from the facility. They're one of the reasons why they do not announce it publicly like that is because it raises security and safety issues. 
security in that there is the potential for someone to possibly hijack one of the transport buses. In water. This is a pop. It it, it doesn't matter. It could it, it could be in water. It could be in any type of situation. It's just that um, it's a security reason. Sure. Um, that they their concern is is that somebody who has a friend out in the community, and they've talked about breaking this person out of jail, be somewhere along that route looking for that convoy because that's exactly what it is, sure. and try to break the person out. So what will happen if if South Carolina does in fact and. I have been told um, by a very reliable source within um, the South Carolina Department of Corrections that there are plans underway to move those individuals. Well, and if, if however, talking, yes. however, um, it has not been done yet, and um, the hurricane has hit the Barrier Island. So, yes. I don't know. The other issue that you have to think of is that it's like 600 individuals who are incarcerated and they have to find other facilities within the state that they can take them to. And right now there may not be beds available for over 600 individuals. It also is dependent upon what their security level is in the facility, what their gang affiliation is. There's a variety of things that have to be taken into consideration. And sometimes it's very difficult. I know in my situation, we went from a minimum security facility to a maximum facility. Um, and it was, a, it was like night and day, um, yeah. you know, in terms of the, the, the people who were in the facilities from, from going from a minimum security facility to a maximum security. Right. Um, yeah. And and you have to think that you've got here's six. I mean, in my case, it was only 120 of us. Right. In this situation, there's over 600 men that have to be relocated, and if they don't have the beds, where are they going to take them to? Sure. And my thought is this: I understand security. I understand that mm-hmm. transport, all of that. Mm-hmm. But the bigger problem here. If America's criminal justice system was not in decay and out of control, you may not have 600 people to move. If the, well, if my, the, thing, it, it, my thing is if we didn't have over-incarceration exactly. or mass incarceration, you wouldn't yeah. have those 600 people. Exactly. And, and, so, and you would have beds available somewhere else. That's right. And so that should, that should be a lesson to anybody listening to this program, to anybody in the Department of Corrections for any state in this country or federal location, you know what? And they'll be saying, well, we, this is difficult for us. Well, change what you're doing. Change what you're doing. Quit over-incarcerating these prisons all over the country. Most prisons and jails in this country and detention centers for, for our immigrant brothers and sisters, guess what? They don't have enough room to accommodate. Most of them don't. Well, here's the funny thing. In New Jersey, because they have they've done bail reform. Okay? So more and more people are 
not being detained prior to, you know, other cases are being tried in the court. So that's reducing the jail population. They have also recognized in New Jersey that people with mental health issues are better going to an outpatient mental health facility than sitting in a county jail. Sure. So what that has done is it has reduced the populations in the county jails in New Jersey. So they have all these extra beds, and they're losing money. So what are they going to do? Well, that's where they get the contract with ICE, and they contract with ICE to use those beds for illegal immigrants. So they, to the perception, they look to fix a problem, and what they've done really, they're going to fill those beds back up one way or the other. They've got to fill those beds up because they need the money. Need the money. So what they do is they contract with ICE, and that's the big case that's going on now um, in New Jersey with the Hudson County freeholders. They have postponed a vote on whether they are going to continue their contract with ICE and you know rent out beds to ICE. Um, And there is. There is a lot of outcry on that because, you know, they don't feel that it's humane and and everything else. But then you've got the people like the Legal Aid Society, who represents a a very large majority of those who are under ICE detention because they represent them. They go to the court in they go to the federal court in Manhattan for the immigration cases. And legal aid is providing the legal services. And their position is if you take them out of Hudson County, they will likely be shipped down to Tennessee, which is going to cause two problems. Number one, they're not going to have legal representation because legal aid is not down there. And right now legal aid is providing free legal services to these individuals. And number two, it's going to remove them away from their family members because a very large majority of them have family members who live in the New York City and Five Borough area. So what's going to happen is they're not going to have legal services, but they're also going to lose that family connection. I mean, whatever they they call themselves doing, uh, you're still, people are suffering injustices no matter how they try to twist it and turn it. This is, this problem is, out of control, it is so very much so that this again. It's going to be a lot. It's going to take a lot more than that to implement change. Well, uh, Captain, do you have right? And and yeah, and and just just so you know, they've also got the argument that they're they've got the parents in there who came into the country with their children and they've been separated, and they're getting the parents to sign these documents. And basically, the parents don't know what they're signing, and it's basically permanently separating them from the, their children. That's just nuts. That's just – you got people that can't speak English. They can't read it, but you're having them sign a document separating themselves from their kids. We're coming back mm-hmm. on the other side of the break. I want to get your closing thoughts, Kathy, on the other side of this break. Folks, these are serious issues, and they have to be looked at. Who will rise up? AJC Radio, Just Cause Organization, Kathy Morris, and others will rise up and be the voice for the voiceless. Tonight we address our, our immigrant brothers and sisters, children, 
that continue to suffer abuse in a place we call America. This is ADC Radio. We'll be right back. We know you care. Now is time. Time to change the face of justice. Did you know that minority and youth participation in juries is extremely low to non-existent? The incidence of youth and minority offenders faced with trials have exploded. Youth and minorities are not being represented as they should be. We must represent for people to get fair trials. If you acquire a state ID or driver's license, it allows you to register to vote. And it allows you to become eligible for jury service. If you're 18, a U.S. citizen with a state ID or driver's license, and registered to vote, you're eligible to be called for jury duty. If called and selected, make it your duty to serve. We can't get justice without you. Change. 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 Change the face of justice. Check your local county or state jury service website for further details. Let's just be honest. When we look across the street to the Supreme Court and we see equal justice under law, um, when you have drug laws so severely, disparately enforced against some groups, let's, let's take African Americans, for example, there's no difference between black and white marijuana usage or marijuana sales, in fact. But blacks are about 3.7 times more likely to be arrested for it. Um, African-Americans are more likely to get uh, mandatory minimums, are more likely about 13, to get 13% longer sentences. And it's created these jagged disparities in incarceration. In my state, blacks are about 13, 14% of the population. They make up over 60% of the prison population. And remember, the overall majority of people we arrest in America are nonviolent offenders. Now you've got this, this disparity in the arrest, but that creates disparities that painfully fall all along the system. When you get arrested uh, for possession with intent to sell, do it in inner city, now you're within a school zone. So now you have facing even higher mandatory minimum. Now you're 19 years old with a felony conviction, possession, intent to sell in a school zone. Forget even all that. If you just have a felony conviction for possession, what do you face now? Thousands of collateral consequences that will dog you for the rest of your life. You can't get a Pell Grant. You can't get business licenses. You can't get a job. If you're hungry, can't get food stamps. Uh, you need a place to live, you can't even get public housing. And what that does is created within our country concentrated areas where you have massive levels of men being incarcerated. You create a caste system in which people feel like they, there's no way out. And we're not doing anything as a society like we know we could do because there's tons of pilot programs that show if you help people when they are coming back from a nonviolent offense, that their recidivism rates go dramatically down. If you don't help them, what happens is, left with limited options, many people make a decision to go back into that world of, of narcotics sales. Uh, uh, what's more dangerous to society? Someone smoking marijuana in the privacy of their own home or somebody going 30 miles over the speed limit, racing down a road in, in a community? What is more dangerous to society? But yet that teenager who makes a mistake for doing things the last three presidents admitted to doing, now they have a felony conviction because it's more likely they're going to get caught. And for the rest of their life, they're 29, 39, 49, 59, they're still paying for a mistake they made as a teenager. Now, that's not the kind of society 
that I believe in, nor is it fiscally responsible, nor it's undermining their productivity, undermining their ability to take care of their family. This is so wrong that those conversations that I'm having with conservatives as well as uh, Democrats uh, are resonating. And so when you have people like Rand Paul standing up and talking about racial disparities in incarceration, this convergence and understanding uh, of fiscal conservatives, of Christian conservatives, of libertarians, shows me that this is a time of great hope for our country. And so I'm not going to question people's motives. This is one of those issues like the civil rights movement in the 1960s, which should pull all Americans together to say enough is enough. When does it stop being partly cloudy and start being partly sunny? Why is the word abbreviation so long? Are English muffins just muffins in England? Why is it called a washing line and not a drying line? Do fish get thirsty? If ghosts can walk through doors, why don't they fall through floors? Do you yawn when you sleep? If prunes are dried plums, how do they make prune juice? Why do doctors leave the room when you change? They're going to see you naked anyway. Do bald chefs wear hairnets? How much deeper would the ocean be if all the sponges were taken out? Do you believe someone who says they're a chronic liar? Why is sandwich bread square and sandwich meat round? Life's full of hard questions. Ask one more. You might just save a life. Ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio, Voices from Behind the Wall, the abuse of our immigrant brothers and sisters, children, unacceptable, and we're calling out this nonsense, this brutality, this barbaric attitude that's happening in this country towards those that are different, whether it's from whatever country they come from, the color of their skin, their background, it's right down racist. Uh, shouldn't be accepted in this country, and human beings should not be being treated that way. And uh, we've been honored to have Kathy Morse get in this conversation with us tonight. We appreciate her thoughts. I'm going to come to her here in a moment. I want to share this with you. It says, and I'm reading this, you could feel the ice cream when you bit into the, sa- the excuse me, the ice when you bit into the sandwich. An immigrant said, other uh, immigrants described becoming nauseated and sick from frozen sandwiches some said the sandwich meat was either black or green and that it tasted and smelled bad lydia a 22 year old immigrant from el salvador said her four-year-old son marcos cried from hunger during the stay at a south texas family residential center in dryley um she said they were given frozen sandwiches that were not able to be eaten and went hungry the entire time in custody 
of the U.S. Border Patrol beginning on June 13th. Uh, Chris Ball, who fled gang violence and threats in his native Guatemala, said in court documents that he and his seven-year-old son went thirsty in Border Patrol facilities after being detained in El Paso, Texas on June 23rd. They would tell us to drink from the sink above the toilet, he said. We did not get any clean water the entire time. Other migrants described tap water that was foul-smelling and tasted bad. Some said the water had a chlorine taste. I had to plug my nose to be able to drink the water, said, said Delmas, a, ma- a migrant from Honduras who spent four days in federal custody with her two young children in early June. One mother of two children said she begged for water for her daughter but was refused. My daughter started crying. The officers told me to shut up, according to court documents. Um, Lourdes, who fled Honduras with her five-year-old daughter, said in a court document they were allowed one shower and toilets were dirty and overflowing every day during the six days they spent in custody of the U.S. Border Patrol. Both of us were covered in dirt and dust from our walk through the desert after we crossed the river, recalled Bianca, a Guatemalan migrant who said she and her four-year-old daughter were not allowed to shower for five days. Migrants described hunger and solitary confinement at for-profit detention center. Another mother, Fatima, said her young daughter soiled herself and had to remain to, in, her, in her dirty underwear for several days, according to court documents. It goes further to say others said they were denied soap and towels and had toothbrushes and toothpaste taken from them. In the housing areas, inspectors found dirty showers with mold, trash, and mildew. Detainees were given a scrub brush and all-purpose cleaner to wash the shower stalls themselves. But the report said such a practice is ineffective. All-purpose cleaners don't eliminate mildew and violates ICE standards, which require detainees to clean only their immediate living areas. Are you joking? Are you kidding me? With those conditions, you got kids crying because, and they're thirsty, and you're refusing them water? You're refusing them to take a shower? So when you show something on television, guess what you're showing? A bunch of dirty people that, are, that people say, we don't need them in our country. You don't even let them clean up. You don't let them do anything, but you abuse them. Kathy, I'm going to get your closing thoughts on that statement and, and how, in your perspective, as we talk about every time on this show, how does this change other than what we're doing right now? What do we need to do, and what do you think of those conditions? And you know what? I'm hearing a lot of stuff out of Texas, detention centers. Yes. Texas is where they have the tents set up outside, um, and they're going to be more housing more children there. They've already come out and said that, that they will be increasing the capacity there. And what they are is there are these huge tents. Um, and they're deplorable conditions. Um, for a while, a lot of the children, when they first arrived, were just laying on concrete floors to sleep. They had no blankets, no pillows, no be- nothing, no mattress, nothing. Um, they were locked in these cages, literally like dogs. Um, it was f- a four wall of a chain link fence cage. And there, there might have been 20 in there. There might have been five. 
Um, but it's basically they're treating them um, like the they're treating them like the lowest form of living being. No, I can't even say the word human because it's not even human. Um, it's 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 barbaric, um, and it's inhumane, and yeah. it goes against everything this country stands for. If you think about it, um, mm-hmm. this is not this is not how we treat people coming into this country. I mean. I, I don't understand, and I'm not saying that to just say it. I do not understand how this conduct is allowed. Who oversees these detention centers? Who with the uh, – Well, most of them, most of them are private facilities. Um, their oversight is very minimal, you know. All they want to know is is that you know somebody's you know it's somebody it basically becomes somebody else's problem, and um, it's unfortunate. But a lot of it has to do with the rhetoric that's coming out of the White House and mm-hmm. what he is saying about these individuals, and it's wrong. It's well, absolutely wrong. The country taught at one point that at least the consensus was uh, me growing up as a little youngster years ago. And, and, and my parents raised me to believe people are people. I never saw, you know, I said this analogy before when I went down to the playground with a tornado slide, they called it back in the day. Uh, mm-hmm. You know what? If I saw a little white boy, little brown boy, whoever down there. Hey man, let's go down the slide. I don't, I don't care who you, Hey man, I just want somebody to play with. And we, whether we go to the sandbox or run around the bases of the, of the softball baseball field, guess what? There was nothing about a separation, but that, that started at home. Well, mm-hmm. the foundation of this nation has shifted drastically, but I believe again, racism, bigotry, prejudice, uh, those things are a taught behavior. Yes, they are. Come in the world believing that if you're from Mexico, I don't like you. You're not. You're different. Mm. What? What? what Make? How do I know that? Unless somebody told me that as a kid. It's right. It's the red. Well, it's the rhetoric that they're hearing from their parents. It's the accessibility to the to what kids have now to social media. And sure. to electronics, computers, televisions, everything. Sure. No, you're, you're and, right on. I mean, what other, cho- you know, what other choice? I mean, they're, it's kind of like they're brainwashed. And, mm-hmm. you know, if my parents say it, it must be true. Or if my teacher says it, it must be true. Or if I, you know, I see it on, you know, some social media site that they absolutely worship, it must be true. Listen and it's to the- not. Listen to these numbers, Kathy. This is this is something. Since 2014, CoreCivic has received more than $481 million in contracts, and GEO has received in excess of $809 million. 
More than half of those totals for both companies were awarded between 2016 and 2018. That's in two years. According to data mm-hmm. collected by USAspending.gov, which tracks federal spending. In 2017, GEO was awarded a 10-year contract with ICE to open a 1,000-bed processing center or detention center in Montgomery, Texas. Company Senior Vice President of, of Corrections and Detention Donahue said during the, uh, during the earnings call, the Montgomery facility is expected to earn annual revenues of $44 million. Donahue said GEO also has new contracts to add 780 beds to Folkston Ice Processing, a Georgia detention center, as well as 128 more beds to the Aurora Detention Center in Colorado. Donahue also added, it goes further, uh, another statement here, the number of migrant children being detained by the government has reached its highest level ever. According to a report by the New York Times, data obtained by the Times showed that 12,800 children were detained in federal custody this month, compared to 2,400 children detained in May of 2017. Federal shelter housing migrant children have remained filled at around 90% capacity since May of this year. And you know why? Those figures, 809 million, 481 million, profits of 44 million a year. And so you have all of that money, and you're, you're feeding kids green sandwiches? You got mildew and filth in the showers? Because it cuts into their profits. This is um, comprehensive. But what, 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 I, what I have to say to you is, how can the people who work there go home and live with themselves? Exactly. How, how can anybody? How can anybody with an ounce of compassion live with themselves, especially people who are going home to their own kids? Exactly. Um, Kathy, I'm gonna let you enjoy the rest of your evening. You've added a, a true you. perspective as you always do uh, to this program. Thank you. Always welcome here. Our voices from behind the wall series is running indefinitely at the moment. We will continue to deal with stories and voices from behind the wall. You're welcome on this program anytime you choose to do so. Uh, thank we appreciate you. That. And thank you for your passion, your concern, your care, and for the work that you do. Um, we need more people like Kathy Morris in the country. We need more people that say, look, it's wrong. I don't have a problem standing. I don't have a problem standing up against wrong. We need more voices to be the voice for the voiceless, and you are a true example of that. We appreciate your, uh, your work and your, and your contribution to this program and this organization. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Have a good evening. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. There you have it. Kathy Morse, advocate. Boy, Dennis, you know, when you talk to certain people, they just got with, you know, they say they got the it. Uh, she has it. Uh, but it's because... Life has taken her down some roads that uh, what she has to say, I think, is critically important to these issues that we're addressing here. And that's true. I mean, she 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 hit it all. Uh, she talked about, uh, you know, how, you know, it's about a dollar. She talked about the, uh, you know, uh, you know, trying to, you know, taking uh, prisons and, and, and using and, and using them as, uh, you know, immigrant immigrant. Uh, facilities. She she really hit it hard, and she 
talk straight, you know, straightforward about how, you know, until people, I mean, people got to get out there and say, hey, this is wrong. And then, and then at the end, how she said, how, you know, thinking about the, the, the people that work there, how can you go home to your children knowing that children that where you work at are being treated inhumanely? I mean, eating food that's, that's not, you know, not fit for anyone, really. I mean, when you talk about maggots and flies and all, I mean, that's just disgusting. But she, she really hit it hard and just make sure people understand that, hey, uh, we got a problem and we need to fix it. I mean, you're serving kids green sandwiches. Are you kidding me right now? Unacceptable. Let's hear another clip about the conditions, the abuse, immigration detention centers across this country. Let's hear it. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, the War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman as we broadcast here in Texas, where a controversial new family detention center has opened about, oh, an hour south of San Antonio. The Corns County Residential Center began holding more than 500 immigrant women and children in August. Many of them came to the United States seeking asylum from violence in their home countries of Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador. But the Obama administration says it's detaining them in order to discourage more migrants from coming. Only a handful of detainees have been released. One of them spoke to Democracy Now! about her ordeal. Sara Aida Beltran Rodriguez fled here from El Salvador with her seven-year-old daughter, Nayeli, who was suffering from brain cancer. In this interview, she describes what happened after she and her daughter were apprehended at the U.S.-Mexico border. Then we hear from their lawyer, who helped secure their release from detention. I crossed the river. I ended up in McAllen at the detention center. I was interviewed on video, and the man that interviewed me did ask me, uh, and I all I thought to say was about the situation with my daughter. They informed me that I had a deportation and that they weren't going to be able to help me. When I arrived at Carnes, I was told to tell them everything at an interview there, and I told them about my daughter's case. They encouraged me to tell them the whole story, and I did, and they did examine her to see how she was. It's like they do to all the children, just a normal physical examination, and I thought that they were going to help me by having a specialist examine her, but they were not able to because of, I think, maybe because it was really costly. And I kept asking for that and expecting some sort of help in that area, but I didn't get any. I did notice that her left arm, the movement was very limited, and her feet were falling asleep. And I thought that it was because we were in a small space and she wasn't getting out. And I could see that she was very stressed about about being locked in there and she was crying every night and she would ask when are we leaving why are we here when are we going to get out and I saw her suffer a lot and it was, it was devastating 
My name is Caitlin Kinglefinch. I'm an immigration lawyer, and I'm representing Sarah and Nayeli in their immigration proceedings. I was contacted by the UT Immigration Clinic about midway through August this year regarding Sarah and Nayeli's case. They had discovered that Sarah and Nayeli were detained and that Nayeli had a malignant brain tumor and was not receiving treatment. The UT Clinic had sent a letter to immigration asking for Nayeli's release and had not received a response. And then they passed the case on to me to take over pro bono representation to see if I could maybe get them out. The first thing I did was have a, an MRI report translated. Sarah had an MRI report that was two years old, and we discovered that it, her situation was very dire. She had not only a growing malignant brain tumor, but she also had a shunt installed in her brain that was uh, to drain fluid, and it could have malfunctioned at any time. It, we weren't sure how it was operating, and if it did malfunction, she could have severe brain damage or not survive. And so it was very, very distressing when so I learned that that was the situation and that Nayeli was not receiving care. And when I didn't receive any response from ICE after my inquiries, um, we decided to do a media campaign. So I partnered with Grassroots Leadership and we issued a press release and Grassroots Leadership mobilized their base to start calling ICE and making inquiries. And about two days after that campaign, I got a call from the deportation officer that Sarah and Nayeli were going to be released under parole. They weren't required to pay a bond, and, and as far as I know, this is the only case out of Carnes um, where a parole has been obtained. That was immigration attorney Kate Lincoln Goldfinch and her client, Sara Aida Beltran Rodriguez, who was until recently one of the 500 women held in the new family detention center in Corn City, an hour south of San Antonio, along with her little daughter, Nayeli. Uh, Nayeli is now undergoing evaluation at the Dell Children's Medical Center of Central Texas in Austin. This comes as other immigrant women imprisoned at the Carnes facility have accused guards of sexually assaulting them. Uh, special thanks to Renee Feltz for that report. A federal complaint filed last week says guards are promising women help with their immigration cases in return for sexual favors. Meanwhile, immigration officials have announced plans for a new 2,400-bed family detention center in Dilly, Texas, another town not far from San Antonio. For more, we're joined by two guests. Javier Maldonado is an immigration and civil rights attorney based in San Antonio. His law firm joined MALDEF, the Mexican-American Legal Defense and Education Fund, the University of Texas School of Law, and Human Rights First in filing the complaint last week with the Department of Homeland Security over serious allegations of substantial ongoing sexual abuse at the Carnes County facility. They've also filed a complaint over poor conditions there. And Christina Parker is Immigration Projects Coordinator for Grassroots Leadership and co-author of their new report, For-Profit Family Detention, Meet the Private Prison Corporations Making Millions by Locking Up Refugee Families. Welcome both to you um, here in San Antonio. Uh, I want to discuss the report we just heard about this mother and her daughter. Uh, her daughter who she brought into the United States to deal with brain cancer. But this latest allegations, Javier Maldonado, why don't we start there with this complaint sure. that you filed? Sure, we, um, a group of attorneys and myself started visiting the facility to render uh, pro bono assistance to the families there, the moms and children. And we began to hear complaints of... Well, there you have it. Folks speaking out 
an organization's making an attempt to right the wrong that is being done. Then as uh, our hats off to every organization out there, uh, attorneys out there, the gentleman stated that they begin to offer pro bono uh, services to these folks. Um, you got to have a human spirit, human decency uh, at minimum uh, to, be, to say we're going to do something uh, to make an impact and to touch the lives uh, of, of, these, of these people. Um, I don't know how you can't love everybody. I don't, I don't understand that. And how you judge a person who is looking for you to be a help to them. It's no different than if you go outside your door, you go downtown wherever you might live, and somebody's begging you for help because they're hurting. And you simply walk away. I don't know who you are or what you are when you do that. Dennis, your thoughts on that? I mean, just the thought of, you know, the the lawyer's uh, uh, willingness to go pro bono to assist these uh, immigrants uh, in fighting their case. I'll tell you that to me, that's awesome. And uh, we need more like that. I mean, you know, if, if if there's not an outcry, if there's not... Uh, people out there, uh, again, I can't stress uh, what AJC is doing, and, and those, uh, you know, those that have been on the show, uh, it's just awesome. But but we need for America to cry out and say, okay, let's get back, let's become the great America we once were, and we cared about people uh, when we opened our shores, when we invited up refugees, when we, uh, you know, fed the poor, when we took care of our our wounded. I mean. Let's let's get back to what we what we're really about, and, and until we do that, uh, we're going to continue to hear stories of, of children dying in in, in detention centers, uh, inmates dying in prison. I mean, we're going to continue to hear that uh, until we get enough people to cry out and say, "Hey, enough is enough." And again, uh, what this show is doing, I, I commend it. Uh, somebody's got to speak out. You know, somebody got to speak for those that cannot speak for themselves. We got to do it. So well, there are documents out there contain the stories of migrants arriving mainly from Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador who were detained at various locations at different times, including one facility referred to by several interviewees as the Dog House. Let me say that again: a facility holding human beings uh, referred to as the Dog House or Dog Pound. And another is the Ice House. Several of the interviewees complained about the lack of or poor quality of drinking water. Many others said they were offered sandwiches that were frozen solid, appeared to be spoiled, that they otherwise found inedible. Iris A. was was one of several who complained about getting frozen food that she said smelled bad and was not fit for consumption. Another said that the lettuce was actually black. I don't think they sell black lettuce. Uh, in the grocery stores as a type of lettuce. Uh, unbelievable. I don't even, I'm sitting here thinking, and I understand Kathy's outrage. This, the boxes in American prisons have a writing on it that says not fit. For human consumption. And they're breaking the boxes open, putting them in pots, 
and cooking it up. It says not fit for human consumption. And you want to tell me why you would give a kid a frozen sandwich? Solid. You want to explain to me how they're supposed to eat that? I'd have every one of them guys brought up on charges. Every employee that has any part in this type of treatment of human beings should be locked up. If you go to somebody's house and the conditions are so horrible, what, what do they do? The house can be condemned. It says you, can, you can't even live here. That's how bad it is. But you'll put refugees in places worse than that. But we call this place America, the home of the free, the brave, the compassionate country that cares for others coming from afar. Really? It's a joke. Say what you want. The proof's in the pudding, as they used to say. And I'm sitting here in my mind that I can't get out of my mind is that little girl begging for water. Her mother says she was so thirsty. They were... They had to drink water out of the toilet? Out of the toilet. But we have the gentleman make the statement who I read, our facilities are safe and clean and... Really? No, they're not. Until we come to the point of being outraged. And I'm going to tell you what, we're not going to shut up. Well, when are these shows going to change? They're not. Continue to call out this type of abuse. Like you said, Dennis, people are not aware. People don't know this. And you know what? Take a walkthrough. Some of these conditions says were found as a result of a surprise pop-up visit. Don't give notice to these facilities. Because you know what they're going to do? They're going to work those refugees to death. Make them clean and do this and not even feed them or treat them right to give the impression we're treating people like human beings here. Why do I have to give an impression? Why, why, why don't I just do the right thing? That gentleman from El Salvador, from Guatemala, from Honduras, from Mexico, that's my brother. That's my sister. That's the bottom line. Those are our brothers and sisters of the human race. And somebody needs to be held accountable for this abuse. We'll continue to be the voice for the voiceless. Go to change.org. Sign the petition. Uh, There's a petition out there that is addressing prison abuse. Voices from behind the wall. Type that in there. Sign a petition today that change might be pushed, implemented where it needs to be. Thanks for joining us tonight, taking time to listen to this podcast tonight. Tell all your friends, neighbors, everybody you know to join us as we continue indefinitely. Voices from behind the wall, abuse across this nation. Tonight, focusing clearly on our immigrant brothers and sisters. We say to you tonight, we love you, and uh, we'll fight and become your voice. If they don't, if they take it away from you, we'll be that voice. The voice for the voiceless. AJC Radio continues. We'll see you next time. Good night.
A federal judge has ordered the release of thousands of women and children from immigrant detention centers in Pennsylvania and Texas, and she wants it done by this Friday. The undocumented immigrants are mostly from Central America. As Omar Villafranca reports, many have been held for months. Yanira Lopez Lucas says she fled to America with her three children to get away from the violence in her home country of Guatemala. She says when they turned themselves into immigration agents at the border, they didn't expect the treatment they received. We are not criminals. The kids are not criminals. Yet we were treated like criminals, she says. 2,000 Central American women and children caught trying to cross the border are currently being detained at facilities in Dilly, Texas, or in nearby Carn City, just south of San Antonio, where the Lopez Lucas family spent more than two months in detention. Los niños se desesperan. The children were upset, were traumatized. They cried because they were closed in, says Lucas. These facilities are not set up to provide them with basic services. Mohammed Abdullahi is with the Refugee and Immigration Center for Education and Legal Services. He says the no-release policy and harsh substandard conditions for children violates a 1997 child detention settlement signed by federal immigration officials. We really call on the Obama administration to recognize um, the families in these centers as folks that are fleeing violence, immense violence, and that they should be given protection. This isn't rocket science. Mark Krikorian heads the Center for Immigration Studies. If the message gets back to Central America that people are simply not being detained, of course more people are going to want to try to do that. Krikorian says the U.S. could see illegal immigration, like last summer's surge, where facilities were overwhelmed by tens of thousands of Central Americans who crossed illegally into South Texas. To make space, women and children were released on a promise to appear in court. But records show only about 15% of the women and half of the children showed up in front of a judge. ICE officials declined to go on camera, but U.S. Homeland Security Secretary Jay Johnson said in a statement, we must make substantial changes in our detention practices with respect to families with children. Omar Villafranca, CBS News, San Antonio, Texas.